Wow, thank you guys. Awesome. Well, welcome, New Cov. Uh, man, I was sitting there just mesmerized by the song and, and uh, thinking about Jesus uh, changing our lives. And today we're going to look into John chapter 12, uh, a passage where Jesus, in fact, uh, has changed uh, Mary's life. And, and we get to see an outpouring of, of what that looks like uh, in her life. Thanks, Brett. Um, and, uh, and so I'm excited to be able to, to look at that and talk about it and figure out what does it look like for you and I to be able to have that tunnel vision where we're willing to do anything uh, for Jesus and, and for the things that he's done in our lives. So let me go ahead and pray. God, thank you so much uh, for this morning. Thanks for an opportunity to be able to be here at New Cove. Uh, thanks for an opportunity to be able to uh, worship you. God, I pray that you would help us to, to take steps closer to you and to recognize what it is to, um, to worship you and to love you and to give all that we are uh, for you. Uh, so God, I pray that you would uh, take these words today and help us to be able to, um, to find some application and, and to be able to uh, show love to others as well. So God, we love you and we thank you. Amen. You guys, I get so energized every Sunday morning. Uh, this place is so different on the weekdays, like when I come into this building and there's not, there's not people. And so it is so fun for me to, to be able to stand outside and be able to say hello to you as, as you come in. And, and uh, I just, I love this place and I love the people uh, here at New Cove. Let me, let me hop right into this passage. It's John chapter 12. And uh, here's what we've got. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet. And wrapped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. So here's a little context. So uh, this tells us and sets it up that we're talking about uh, the week basically before Jesus would be crucified. And here Jesus is at a dinner that he's attending in his honor uh, with with people that he knows and that he's uh, spending time with. And and we have we have Mary. Uh, in the sense, who's, who's poured expensive perfume. And guys, I'm so glad to hear that, uh, that it does tell you that pure nard is an expensive perfume because otherwise you've got to look that up and figure out like she did. What? Um, so there's aspects there that I want us to be able to get into in terms of what was it culturally uh, for her to wipe her hair uh, on Jesus' feet or for her to even be at the table in the first place. And we'll touch on those things in just a few seconds. But let me keep going with the passage. It says, but one of, his, one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and was keeper of the money bag. He used, uh, he used to help himself to what was, uh, what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It is intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came. 
not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. So, you guys, I remember the very first time that, uh, that I read this passage, or at least the first time that I remember reading this passage. I was 17 years old. I had just come to accept Jesus. And, uh, and I remember sitting in a parking lot under a street lamp thinking, you know, we're reading this passage. We're having a little bit of conversation uh, with a group of friends. And, and besides thinking about, gosh, I hope we're done soon so we can play some hacky sack, I remember thinking, what's wrong with me? I, I kind of agree with Judas here. And if this passage didn't tell me that Judas uh, was the bad guy, uh, then I wouldn't know which side to take or how to take this information that, that's sitting right in front of me. Uh, because uh, the, the lens that I look through, sometimes, I'm, sometimes I can be frustratingly thrifty. Uh, sometimes that's a good thing because you, you save on some things. Lots of times it's a bad thing uh, because it means that, that you, you sometimes hold back on, uh, on things that, that you could uh, be able to do. And so when I looked at this, I was like, oh my gosh, it makes total sense that she would, she would just sell that perfume to be able to help the poor. When I look at it now and a, a better understanding of, of uh, what's going on, um, I don't believe that I don't believe that, uh, uh, that Judas was totally wrong in asking the question, but I do believe that his motives uh, were absolutely incorrect. In fact, Judas, in asking the question, uh, it says in the passage that he didn't necessarily care about the poor. In fact, the way that he weaved in the question that he's asking, uh, he goes back to Deuteronomy uh, 15, which talks about how we need to take care of the poor and what that looks like for us to be able to, uh, to do that and to be good stewards. So he, he hides his, his uh, poor motive in, in what seems to be his knowledge. Which is an interesting thing for me because if you look back in the Old Testament and if you have knowledge of the Old Testament, uh, maybe some of you guys sitting here, you can think of things that, that God had people do that didn't make sense at the time. Think in your mind for just a second of any of the New Testament characters, any of the heroes of faith that you can think of that maybe God called them to do something that didn't make sense uh, when it was right in front of them. Can you think of one? I think about, yeah, so we've got a few names being thrown out. Those of you guys sitting in your living room right now, you're throwing out a few names. I can see the participation. It's happening. Uh, Abraham, I think about that a lot. Like, how did that make sense to take your son up the mountain? And then I think about, like, what does that counseling bill look like after that? Yeah, I think about Noah, the guy building a boat when there's no need for a boat. That does not make sense. How do we understand that? I think about Hosea. Remember Hosea? Uh, God called him to, to marry Gomer, who was a prostitute. How does that make sense? And then uh, when Gomer leaves him, God calls him to go show his love to her once again. And, uh, and so Hosea does. Does that make sense? If you were, if you were near a friend uh, right now who is doing those very things, I mean, what would that look like for you? Would you be like, ah. Uh, Right? You would maybe have some, uh, some, some words for them. Uh, Esther, great one. Any one of the disciples uh, who, are, who are all gathered right here, all of them left uh, what, they, 
what they knew to be true, and they did something that didn't make sense, that, didn't, that was not uh, understandable. So what I learned from Judas, when I look at this passage uh, later on, is I, I learned that there's two things that are really important when we don't understand something. How, how we ask, and our heart or motive uh, for concern in the matter and what it is. And so what I think we can apply here is, is what should we do when we lack understanding of a situation? And so we'll roll all this back in here for just a second. But this is just a learning moment for us. And, and guys, as I started thinking about this this last week, <laughs> God kept hammering me with it. Troy, are you seeking to understand the situation? Troy, do you have a voice in that? Troy, do you, are you just criticizing? Uh, what is it? What does it look like to seek to understand? So... If you don't understand something, if we don't understand something, and even in this case when we're looking at Judas who's standing there and doesn't understand something, and we know from the story that, that uh, Judas uh, was just adamantly opposed to Jesus. In fact, he was going to turn him over, and so, uh, so that's, that's kind of a done deal. But I want to look at this in terms of what would it look like for Judas to be able to seek to understand Mary and her situation. So there's two things that I want us to be able to think about. Uh, your heart... So if there's something that you don't understand that someone else is, is doing that is a believer, that loves Jesus, uh, pray about it. Make sure your heart and your motivation is right, are right, I'm sorry. Make sure it's caring and make sure that it's Jesus-focused. So your heart is so important. Next thing, how? Uh, you need to ask yourself, do I have a voice in this person or this organization's life? That's a, a, a good thing to know. Uh, the next thing would be timing. Uh, line up an appropriate time to inquire. And here's a couple of statements that, that I've learned over the years from people that are way smarter than me. These are, these are huge. They're life-changing. Ready? Tell me more about whatever that situation is. Or help me understand whatever that situation is. Both things communicate, uh, communicate heart or desire to know and to understand uh, where someone's coming from. They take the critical piece out. Now you have to be careful in your wording so that it's not like, help me understand why you did that really stupid thing, pouring perfume over. So, uh, so those are things. And then I think about when I look at this story and I think, how would, this, how would this passage, how would this situation have played out differently if Judas had disagreed with Mary's action but waited for a more appropriate time to ask Jesus to help him understand why it was a good thing that, more, that Mary poured expensive perfume on his feet. What would that have looked like if Judas had just watched that happen, bit his tongue, and then later said, Jesus, I don't think I understood this. Help me to understand. Why was that important that Mary poured out perfume on your feet and then she let down her hair? and wiped your feet with that. It's fascinating to me to think about how this would read uh, differently. Uh, so my hope there, as we look first at Judas, is, is that we could all be people who desire how and heart uh, when there are things we don't understand. And you guys, are we in a world or a situation right now are there things going on and happening around you that you don't understand? Anyone? Yes. Our world is chock full of things. And you know what we do? 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys in on the dangerous things that happen in my mind is that in my mind I think, well, gosh, how does that person respond that way? What is that even about? What can you... They're thinking this about that situation, and guys, I'm not here to bring up any political situations or COVID situations or uh, where you send your kids to school situations or where you parked your car situations or what car you drive situations. I'm not about any of those things, but I guarantee you, if you and I would decide to say, hey, help me understand if you have a voice in a situation in someone's life. Um, I would love for us to be this way. And so here's, here's a passage uh, that I have for us that I'd love for us to just read, and then we'll keep going. Uh, but in Philippians 2, 1 through 5, Paul says this. He says, Therefore, if there's any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, And of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. How does that change who we are and how we interact with one another? You guys, we need one another. The church body needs one another. And and I'm not standing here talking about this thinking like, oh, there's so much bickering or whatever going on. To my knowledge, there's not. We're unified. We're doing good. And I love that. And I love this place. But I think it's a great time to just remember that we need one another, that we're stronger together in community, that when we show love to one another, that when we seek to understand a situation versus criticize it, that when we, when we want to find the story behind uh, what it is that's going on, that's important. Even, even if we disagree. Even I say, hey, help me understand, and then I disagree with what it is that, that you've got going on, that's okay. We can be united in Jesus Christ. So let's, uh, let's take a look at this, though. Let's apply these things to this story. Let's think about Mary in this situation. Uh, let's back up why Mary would do this. Why would she pour out this perfume on Jesus' feet? Uh, if it's true that we criticize uh, what we don't understand, and guys, I looked this up. I was like, well, who said that? That's really brilliant. Uh, apparently, uh, Bob Dylan gets credit for saying, don't criticize what you don't understand. So I was like, yeah, I'm doing some in-depth research here. People are going to write that down. If you need a pen, anybody? Uh, what would we have learned if Judas had thought to talk to Mary at the right time and say something like, help me understand why you poured really expensive perfume on Jesus' feet? What would you have heard from Mary later? Like even the next day, what would Mary have said? It's 
fascinating to be able to think about. I would love to hear that story directly from her. And so we can investigate just a little bit. And in fact, I did. I, was, I figured out, like, first thing we need to do is we need to figure out which Mary it is that we're talking about. <clears throat> right? Excuse me. Because <clears throat> there's a few of them in the New Testament. In fact, there's six of them in the New Testament. And as I started diving into this, I started to realize, oh my gosh, this is, this is what people feel like when they're trying to sort out the pastors at New Covenant. Because I've had, I've had a couple of conversations uh, with people this summer about like, now help me get this straight. There's Brett, and there's Brett, and there's Brent, and there's Beth, Right? And so, so then we're, we're like sorting through those things. But it's, it's important, and you can, you can find context and understand those things. And so that was just a funny little situation for me that happens as I go through. So what I know about this is we know that, that we're talking about Mary of Bethany. Uh, there's also some, there's some uncertainty as to whether or not Mary of Bethany was also uh, Mary Magdalene. And some people are adamantly opposed to that idea, and some people are, are all for that idea. And so we'll just kind of let it sit there. Okay? All right with that? But we'll see. We'll see what might happen uh, if we look at her story just a little bit. Um, so we might learn that uh, if we start finding out who Mary is, Mary of Bethany, we know that... Uh, we know that she had a situation where uh, Jesus healed her brother, Lazarus, from the dead. That, that might impact something about how she feels about Jesus. Uh, before that, though, she did call for Jesus to say, Jesus, come uh, and heal my brother. And Jesus was late. And, and Mary ran out to Jesus. And remember, that's, that's the passage where they cried. Jesus cried with Mary during that. And there's lots of speculation there. And then we have this passage where uh, Mary uh, pours perfume over Jesus' feet. Also, Mary was the one uh, in the initial setting where, remember, Martha was the one that served, and Mary was the one that was sitting at Jesus' feet, and Martha got upset because Mary's not serving like she should be serving. Jesus, please make that happen. But he says, no, Mary, Mary chose what's important here. So we know of those interactions we also know that uh, if this is, in fact, Mary Magdalene, if they're the same people, which I'm not saying they are, and I'm not saying they're not, Mary Magdalene, remember, she was demon-possessed. She was also a prostitute. Jesus forgave her. Jesus cast those demons out. What kind of, what kind of thoughts might Mary have toward Jesus? What is it that would compel her to step outside of the social norms, to be at the table in the first place, because she's not supposed to be there, to then pour perfume, expensive perfume, on Jesus' feet, and then let her hair down, which is also not culturally appropriate, and wipe Jesus' feet with her hair and her tears. Something about what Mary had experienced with Jesus told her that there is nothing more important than Jesus. That nothing that I have 
can measure up to the value of Jesus. So quickly, as we go on, uh, I always like to, to look at the big picture, the context piece. So, and I, I like to do that with G's, and you guys have heard me that, do that before. G's like good. God created uh, the world to be good, for us to be in good relationship with him. Remember, Adam and Eve, and all was good. And then guilt enters the picture. Adam and Eve chose selfishness. Uh, we see that. What a great example here of Judas choosing selfishness. He wants to line his pockets, right? That's selfish means. That's not about the team. Uh, so guilt, sin enters the picture. And then what happens? Jesus comes, offers grace that through Jesus that we can have a right relationship with God. All we have to do is say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I want to give my life to you. And then uh, when we do that, we join the group, which is community, which is your brothers and sisters in Christ, which are the people that we ask, hey, tell me more about or help me understand. Or what's it look like for us to magnify God's name, Jesus' name together? And then the last part is gratitude. Gratitude is an outpouring of our understanding of what it is that Jesus has done in our hearts. I believe this act, what we're seeing right in this passage, is Mary pouring out gratitude on Jesus. The most expensive, valuable thing that she has, physically pouring it out. She has tunnel vision, you guys. All she can see and think about is Jesus and what he's done. And she probably sees beyond just, oh yeah, you healed my... <laughs> you, <laughs> just, you raised my, my brother from the dead. And she probably sees beyond, if it was her, you, you forgave my sins and, and set me free from, uh, from these demons. She probably also sees the forgiveness in her heart and someone that loves her unconditionally, despite anything in her past or anything that's there. That's the same Jesus that you and I gather today to worship, to be able to come together together and worship because we can agree on who he is and we can know that and we can cast every hindrance aside and go directly to his feet and pour out whatever it is that God's put on our hearts before him. And you guys, that's exactly uh, what we want to do with the rest of this service. We have, I'm going to invite the worship team to come, uh, to come on up. We have a few worship songs left. And what I'd invite you guys to do is, is during this, this time to be able to, you can stand, you can clap, you can sit, you can dance, you can do whatever it is that you need to do to be able to worship Jesus. My unhindered look looks a lot like this, so don't let me distract you. But sitting, standing, praying, kneeling, whatever it is that you want to do to be able to come before Jesus' feet in a similar fashion that Mary did that day. And then, you guys, if we would just remember that as we come together to worship Jesus, we could be united of one spirit, one mind, that we would choose to, to have the same attitude as Jesus as we seek to love one another and that we would seek to continue to understand one another to ask those questions. Let me pray. God, thank you uh, for an opportunity to be able to come together today. 
Uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for what we can learn from it and the way that we can grow in our understanding of what it looks like to, uh, to put you first. God, I pray that you would be central to each person in this room. And God, those of us that are still uh, deciding what we want to do with this information about who you are, uh, God, I pray that you, would, uh, that you would draw them to yourself, that you would help them to know uh, that you love them and that you care about them. And, uh, and God, give them the freedom to be able to ask questions uh, that matter. God, we love you, and we pray these things in your awesome name. Amen.